You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. This is Ruv English and I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much as ever for your company. Today I am in Akranes at the Folk Museum. And I'm with Jon, who's going to guide me around. Jon, thanks very much for your time today. This is the main exhibition hall we're about to walk into. Yeah, uh, this is the, uh, the entrance and uh, the main uh, exhibition hall. And uh, I have to open it because uh, the, the museum won't open until 11 o'clock. So we're getting a private tour. <laughs> We've got the best part of an hour to make the most of that. See, the, even the alarm's going on. That's how not open this currently is. So how long has this museum been here in Akronis? Uh, it was uh, uh, founded in 1959. And uh, there was a priest here. Uh, Reverend uh, Jon Gudjonsson, uh, uh, and uh, he established it. In uh, yeah, he came here around 1950, and uh, uh, he established it around uh, 1959. And it was at first in an uh, old house here outside. Uh, it's a yellow house called Gardar. And uh, it was an uh, old uh, pastor house built in uh, 1876, uh, probably one of the oldest concrete house in uh, Iceland and probably in uh, uh, the Nordic country also. Okay. Well, this is the, as we say, the exhibition hall that we're in, which feels like the more modern buildings that we're in. But we'll talk about the other buildings that, that make up the museum because you take up quite a lot of space here. The, the, the exhibits and the other buildings do take up quite a lot of area. So let's start here. Let's move around in the exhibition hall. We will start here. And uh, uh, this uh, new ex uh, exhibition uh, was opened in uh, 2021. And uh, we were, uh, yeah, a few years making it. And uh, uh, it uh, depends on uh, both text, uh, materials, uh, photos, and not the least, uh, audio guide. We have uh, audio guide in English and Icelandic, and uh, we are, uh, we will in, uh, yeah, next year, we will have German, Polish, France, and so on. Okay, well, let's start moving around. And the first thing we learn is about the, the settlement of Iceland, of course, in 874. And the settlement of Akranes was just a few years later. So this, I guess, would have really been one of the first towns in Iceland. Yes. Uh, here we have uh, the timeline uh, for uh, the, uh, yeah, the settlement of, of Iceland which uh, began in 874, and uh, settlement of Akranes was uh, around uh, yeah, 880, uh, probably 880, mm. 874, 880. Well, what's and, the very first evidence then of a settlement in Akranes? Uh, the first evidence is uh, we don't have any uh, archaeological uh, research doing here, but uh, we have the old sources. It says that uh, there was a Celtic brothers yeah. who came here and uh, settled here, and uh, most of the uh, place names, the old names, are uh, Gaelic, 
like Akronas and uh, uh, the other uh, names here are, are Gaelic. It's interesting because there's more and more evidence that at least part of the Icelandic DNA and Icelandic ancestry does come from Ireland and from, from Scotland as much as it does from Norway and other Nordic countries. Yeah, uh, the DNA says uh, that uh, uh, around 70, yeah, 65% of the women are originated from uh, uh, the Celtic uh, and uh, around 80% of the men are from the Nordic. Mm. So uh, most of the women are from the Celtic and uh, the men from the Nordic. Okay, well that's made Iceland what it is and Akranes what it is. And the timeline continues here uh, 1930, the start of Ruv, of course, yeah. is one of the items that's mentioned here. Iceland gaining sovereignty in 1918, the Republic being established in 1944. How did Akranes grow during this time, during the last century? Uh, it has uh, grown uh, uh, rapidly from uh, uh, around uh, 1950 until the day today, and you can see the population, mm. uh, the population, uh, we, we, we exhibit uh, the, the population here on the wall, uh, both the, the, uh, the Icelandic population from the beginning of the settlement and the population of the world also and the population of Akronas. And as you can see here from uh, 1951, it was uh, 2,649 inhabitants here in 51. And in the year 2000, it's uh, 5,431. At the time when the Icelandic population was 279,000, world population 6 billion. So you can see how Akranes has grown along with the rest of the world. Yes, yes. and uh, now today it's 2023 and Akranes is mm. around 8,100 inhabitants. So okay. it has grown. Yes. And I wonder if part of that growth is to do with something else that's mentioned on the timeline, which is the Kvalfir, the tunnel, which, of course, cut off such a lot of time in the journey north from Reykjavik. It opened in 1998. I just about remember uh, before it opened and taking the long way around, which is a beautiful, much more lengthy drive. Has that helped the growth of Akronest, do you think? Yeah, uh, I think so, uh, because uh, uh, it opened... Uh, uh, an eye, and uh, it opened very much uh, uh, for this big area, Reykjavik area, mm. uh, Akranes area, and the west. Uh, it's uh, just one... Uh, uh, people can walk uh, in Reykjavik and live here in Akranes. Sure. Uh, and uh, they can uh, uh, live here in Akranes and walk in Borganes and, and so on. So it's it's a one, uh, one place to, yes. to live and, uh, and work in. So let's move around to life at sea. Yeah, it's, uh, Akronis uh, was uh, yeah, mostly built from the sea. And it's uh, one of the first fishing villages here in, in Iceland. Uh, it was uh, in, in 1650. There was a bishop here over uh, Iceland in Skauholt. Uh, he came here with his men and uh, he built up 
a small fishing community here. And before that, there was a small fishery and farming also. But in 1650, there was about 200 people living stanciously here in Akron. And from 1650 and till today, today we are a village or a town. Tell me about the boat that we're standing in front of here, a sailboat. It's called uh, uh, Sion, and it was built in uh, 1874, and it is a very good, uh, uh, yeah, very good boat from that time, and also uh, with that shape, because that kind of boat was very common here uh, at the Faxaflowy Bay. And uh, in this uh, surrounding area, it was fishing boat, uh, had a four seamen. And so carry four people, there are three small sails. It's about, how, how long would you say this is? About 12 meters? Yeah, it's about eight meters. Eight so, meters. Yeah, eight okay. meters. And this is original, this is not a replica. This is a, a original. And, uh, but original from 1874, uh, probably, a uh, lot of woods have been uh, restored. Yes. I mean, it's in tremendous condition. Would this still be seaworthy, do you think? Uh, no, I don't no, think so. No. <laughs> it looks very good, though, doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, it, uh, I think it's not uh, wa- waterproof. Or, no. Or no. Uh, you wouldn't want to chance it, then? You no. Okay. Uh, the, f- uh, the last time it was on sea was around uh, 1950. Okay. So I wouldn't... Uh, Take chance of it. Okay. Well, we'll <laughs> we'll leave it where it is. More of the exhibition here, uh, and some of the outfits that were worn by by fishermen in 1903 and 1935 and 1964. And this is important because this was the protection that these brave men, usually men, had against the the very potentially dangerous conditions. Yes. And uh, as you can see, the, uh, we have. Uh, uh, yeah, a few different uh, uh, seafaring uh, garments, uh, like this one here. It's uh, the, the oldest one, made from uh, 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 sheep skin or lamb skin. Mm. And uh, this is the first one uh, with the, the settler who, who came here. They, they used uh, like this one. And uh, then the, the other one uh, uh, in the 19th century came uh, when the schooner, uh, the cutter, came, and uh, when the trawler came, mm. and uh, and so on. So it has. Uh, uh, so the technology of the items they wore improved, starting with the sheepskin, which would have done the job, but doesn't feel very sort of comfortable. But then moving into plastics and rubbers as, yeah. as the century moved on. But uh, in, like with the sheepskin, uh, uh, the seamen, they used uh, fish liver oil to uh, get it uh, waterproof okay. and uh, also uh, to get it softened so they could wear it, but uh, they smell awful. Yes. <laughs> well, this is dry, thankfully, so yeah. there is no smell coming from it, which is a mercy. There's a small cinema as well here at the museum, which is showing a film about... Fish processing? Yes. Uh, we have uh, three kinds of films here. Uh, it's a film of uh, Akronis from 1947, uh, which is uh, we are showing now. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, we have another film uh, from 1974, and uh, we have uh, also a small film from 1959, yeah. all about fishery okay. and uh, how uh, the life was here in, in, in Akranes and surrounding area. We did a show from the Herring Museum in Siglifjörður a few weeks ago, and it was really obvious then just how important herring and fish was to that particular town and that part of Iceland. Was fish, is fish, as important to Akranes as the herring was in the north, would you say? Yeah, uh, fishing industry was uh, very important and uh, the, the most important uh, here in the old days. But uh, when the, the big industry, like this cement factory, which uh, came here in 1958, mm. it was opened in 1958, uh, lots of people came here and, uh, to work, and uh, the place began to grow rapidly. And then in Grundatonki, mm. uh, the aluminium and uh, the other uh, big industry there, uh, came around 1970, uh, between 1978 and uh, uh, 1998. Uh, fishing industry isn't so much here. We have, uh, yeah, we have a little bit of fishing industry, but not as much as here in the old days. Well, I guess tourism is here, along within the rest of Iceland, becoming ever more important as well. We'll talk a little bit later about the tourists that you get here, the visitors that you get at the museum. But are we are we heading upstairs now? Yes. Let's head upstairs. Now we're going. To life on land. Life on land. Yeah. Okay. It's on the the upper, <coughs> on the upper floor. Life on land, and uh, it's how people lived here in the old days. The houses, and uh, what they ate, uh, and uh, how the condition were, and and so on. The clothes, and uh, we have here about the printing, the the reading and uh, the school and the church and so on. So some of these items, again, this is how people would have lived indoors. There's a beautiful clock here, uh, very ornate. How old would, would these items be, this clock here, for example? Uh, this one is uh, from the late uh, 19th century, and uh, it uh, was in a wealthy home. But uh, the common people didn't have no. uh, a clock like this. No, I, I think even now that might be true. It's a beautiful item. There's a sewing machine here as well, which was presumably very important for people who wanted to make and, and repair their own clothes. Yes. Uh, the sew, sewing machine was a, was a huge... Uh, when the sewing machine came here in uh, around 1860, uh, 1870, uh, it was very expensive. Yes but uh, it was for sewing clothes and so on. But uh, there was only uh, in wealthy homes they could uh, afford to buy one like this. But uh, in the beginning of 20th century, it became uh, very common and uh, it, was a, it was a huge in industry. 
And something else I find really interesting here, particularly what, you know, given what the world has been through in the last few years, from 1868, there is a vaccination certificate framed and on the wall. Vaccination against what? It uh, was against uh, cholera and, uh, and other kinds of uh, disease because it was uh, the disease here uh, and the health mm. wa- was, uh, yeah, it was very bad uh, at that time. This says uh, Thorin Rikarsdottir has been vaccinated against uh, uh, cholera and uh, other uh, diseases. Okay. 24th of January, January yeah, 1868. 1868. Goodness, the more things change, the more they <laughs> stay the same, yeah. it seems, doesn't it? There are books as well, of course, books very, very important in a country like Iceland. What sort of books would people poorer people have had access to? It was mostly uh, uh, church books, like the Bible. Mm-hmm. The Bible was uh, the main one, and uh, so it's also the, the common books, uh, because uh, uh, everyone c- couldn't read or, uh, or write, and uh, there was maybe one or two in the, in the farms who uh, was reading the books for the the people it it was done uh, like that uh, here in the old days but uh, uh, when the time uh, went by uh, uh, the school classes came and the people went to to learn to read and write one book that's being exhibited here is a pocket cookbook described as being for the upper-class housewife, published in 1800. Yeah. So again, cookery books are very popular now in 2023, but they were here in Iceland in, in 1800 as well, it seems. Yes, uh, uh, this is uh, the first uh, cooking book uh, who was uh, published here in Iceland, uh, as you say, in in year eight, uh, 1800. And uh, the the uh, printing house was here in the, the uh, neighborhood, and uh, it was uh, the uh, you can say uh, it was uh, the wife of uh, a very wealthy man who uh, who was the uh, uh, who published he published it. And a suspicion as well that his brother was actually the author of the book. Yes, because <laughs> uh, you, as a very wealthy man and a very high uh, level uh, and a man, you couldn't uh, uh, put your name at a cooking book. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you wrote it. Even, Even if you wrote it. Yeah. I see some other items here staying on the food theme. Well, actually, what we're moving towards here, I suppose, is items of cleaning, a scrub board and a washing tub and a mangle. Uh, But there are also butter moulds and butter churns and an item here for sausage making as well. So this is the kitchen and the laundry room of the day, isn't it, this area? Yes, this is. And uh, as you can see, there's a butter churn here, uh, measuring cup, for milk 
And uh, here is uh, from uh, the batter, butter mold. And uh, here's uh, how they made the skier, the, the famous Icelandic yes. yogurt. How it was made traditionally. Yeah, before it became it made traditionally. <laughs> before it became yogurt, yeah. as it is now. And it uh, was very sour at yes. that time. The butter churn is interesting. It's a box about a meter by a meter by a meter. There's a big, heavy-looking handle in the middle of it as well. Churning the butter looks like it was very hard work. Yes, it was. But uh, it's uh, the same item as this one here. This is the old... This looks like a giant toilet brush. Yeah, this is the old, <laughs> this is the old one, yes. but this is uh, much newer. This is the, so the one with the big. Can I turn this? Yeah. The one with the the heavy handed. It's quite easy to turn just now because there's nothing inside it. But I imagine that would get quite tiring. How long would it take then to churn butter if somebody was using one of those? Yeah, take uh, a few hours. Yeah, of of hard work. Yeah, yeah. Your arm would certainly be sore after all of that, wouldn't it? What sort of items did people? eat and, and consume in, in those days? Obviously, butter and, 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 and simple fare and, and sausage-making tools as well. What sort of things was, did people eat? Uh, yeah, it was uh, meat and fish. The coffee grinder there? Yeah, uh, the, the, coffee, the, coffee, uh, the coffee grinder. Uh, the coffee came, uh, wasn't uh, popular here until on the uh, 19th century, but before that, uh, there was only the wealth, wealthy one who yes. offered, to, who could offer and uh, uh, buy coffee. And I think most of us in Iceland couldn't imagine Iceland without coffee now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> coffee is most uh, is important. So popular, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here we have the, the food container uh, called Askur uh, in, in Icelandic. And... Uh, uh, everyone in the, in the, the farmhouse uh, owns one of these, the food container, and uh, they ate from it. And when they had finished, they just put it on the floor and the dogs came and licked it. Oh, really? So the dogs did the cleaning? Yes. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a simple wooden bowl that would hold the food and obviously that would be what people ate from as well. But the dog was the dishwasher. Yes, the dog was the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the health wasn't... Uh, wasn't good at that time. No, but the dog was delighted, I guess. Yeah, they yeah, were yeah, delighted. They were, <laughs> we're into the bedroom area now, the sleeping area with uh, single beds arranged in a sort of box, wooden slats above the, the bed as well. What's happening here? Uh, this is a, a, a small interior, uh, how it uh, looked like in uh, one of uh, the tariff houses. You can see here... At the photo, mm. uh, there's a turf house. This is one of the the last turf house here in the surrounding area. Well, a very modern-looking couple and and yes. and uh, child. These are the faces of people. This could be photographed now. Yes, uh, this photo was taken around uh, 1947, and uh, they look uh, very happy. Yes, <clears throat> probably it's uh, it's uh, good weather, sun, and. Uh, they are uh, looking well, uh, sunny and so on. But still living in the old-fashioned way in the turf house. Yes, and uh, uh, this is uh, the interior, the uh, two beds, and in one bed like this, uh, there slept uh, two adults. That was all because uh, small room and uh, lots of people mm. uh, in the farm, and also, it was 
very cold, especially in the winter, yes. and they got uh, heat from each other. Well, that's the other thing to remember, of course, is that we are talking about this being the sleeping arrangement for an Icelandic winter and Icelandic winters with no heating, no central heating. So you need to be close to someone, don't you, to stay alive? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's the point. <laughs> Akranes, I learn here from one of the displays, means peninsula of fields, which, as the display says, suggests that agriculture was important in the area, particularly potatoes. Yes, uh, particularly the potatoes, uh, especially in the, the 19th century and uh, in the, from the 20th century, uh, it was a very, very important here. As you can see here on the photo, it's lots of uh, potato grass, potato fields. It's in the middle of the town. And uh, uh, the potatoes were first grown here in Iceland around the uh, year eight, 1800. And uh, here in Akronis it came around uh, 1840, and it was very important. But in 1950s, uh, the, the Akronis potatoes got diseased, and uh, uh, the last potato field uh, which grow the special acronis potatoes was in 1956-57. And that was the end of it? The end of the acronis potatoes. But uh, we had another kind of uh, potatoes which was grown here, and we are still growing potatoes, okay. but not uh, in the uh, centre of uh, the town like here in the old days. We're moving around now into a different part of the exhibition, this feels religious. This is the Christianity because uh, uh, most of the people that settled here in Iceland uh, they worshipped uh, the 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 ancient uh, Norse gods like Odin, Thor, and so on. Mm. But here in uh, this area, we had uh, Christianity from the beginning of the settlement okay. because uh, uh, the Celts who came here they were Christian and. Uh, uh, they built up a church here in, in Akranes and surrounding area, like in Kalanes and uh, in many other places which they uh, settled also mm. in the north and in the west. But this one, this settlement here was purely Christian. And uh, we So there was no need to convert here then, because Althingi decided that Christianity would be the official religion? Not until the uh, year 1000. Yes. It was uh, uh, the, the main religion. Uh, but uh, the, the pagan could uh, worship their gods uh, many, many years after mm. that. That was uh, yes. That was okay. But here, it, it was always Christian. Here, there was, was no no persuading Christian. that needed to be done. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, what the the old sources says. Mm -hmm. Here was uh, the uh, Christianity was purely here. We've got a 16th century church wall cupboard here, which is well. This is a piece that's nearly 500 years old. Again, it's in very good condition, isn't it? Yes, and. Uh, it's a uh, 16th century church wall cupboard and uh, it was uh, used uh, in many houses afterwards. 
Yeah, as a storage for yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, items and so on. And uh, it has been restored. There are one Bible here. There's a large Bible that's on display, a chalice and a wafer box and a hymn book as well. Yeah. This hymn book here from 1837. There's an altarpiece as well, which goes back to the 18th century, which is very impressive. Yes, uh, this is probably uh, uh, Danish made, and uh, it was uh, from the 18th century. It was from the church at Leira, and uh, it was in one of the uh, old uh, turf churches, which was there at that time. And the altar is from uh, here, from uh, Gardarf, here from Akranes, and it's also from uh, uh, around uh, year 1800. And also, this catches my eye, <laughs> you might expect. It's a beautiful old radio from 1974, but it looks older. It's in wonderful condition. Would I hear Ruve if I switched this on? <laughs> uh, no, no, but uh, we, we use it... Uh, uh, for uh, uh, for broadcasting uh, hymns uh, from the oh, Passiusalm, oh. we have a uh, few uh, hymns from the Passiusalm, which was at first uh, broadcast in 1974. That's why we have the radio ah. from 74. And so you play into this, the hymns? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, when, uh, when the museum opens in, uh, at 11 o'clock, we put it on. I will point you at the, this uh, bell ah, here. Right directly above me is a bell. Yeah. And uh, this bell, uh, the bell is from uh, around 1610. And uh, it was in one of uh, the churches here. And uh, many of the bells here in Iceland was uh, taken down when the, the Danish was uh, in war with the English and uh, the Swedish and so on. And it was melted and uh, uh, they made cannons from uh, the, the copper or, or the metal of the bells. But this one uh, they didn't take. So when the first school was uh, established here in 1880, mm. this was the first school bell okay. here in Akronas. And it was used as a school bell until 1980. When uh, it was taken down, the saw it was a museum piece, yes. and the museum got it. And when did it last ring, do you think? In 19. 80. It's not long since But uh, <laughs> we, we ring it uh, very often. Okay. Can we ring it now? Yes. Can we hear it? Okay. I'm not so big. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, so I just, I just move this here. Yeah. All right. I, I, I don't want to break this. Yeah, you can. Okay. How, how, how hard should I hit it? Here we go. Oh, a bit harder. <laughs> Still works? Yes. <laughs> It's in fantastic condition. <laughs> it is. I was very pleased I didn't break that. <laughs> this is uh, what uh, the manufacturing aluminium and the environmental impact. Because uh, 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 every heavy industry 
uh, will infect uh, the uh, uh, the environmental, and we also show how it works here uh, in this surrounding area. Okay, and the display says that the aluminium oxide used in Grundatangi comes from some pretty far away places, from Texas, Jamaica, and South America. <clears throat> yes. So that, that oxide has to travel a long way. Yes, it has to travel a long way, and uh, uh, all the way to Iceland, and uh, we... Uh, we manufacture uh, many things from uh, from that, and then we uh, sell the the the, uh, the aluminium to Holland and uh, other European countries, and uh, they do cars and uh, so yes. many things and, from it. And has that smelter at Grundatangi has that become? a big and important part of the economy here in Akronet. Very, it's very important. And uh, for the population of uh, the surrounding area mm. and uh, for the west coast uh, of Iceland also and uh, for Akronet especially. Mm. Just on the map I can see there there's one arrow pointing all the way to Australia. So, so the, what is produced here makes its way all around the world, as well as having the oxide coming from different parts of the world as well. We're going to head back downstairs, and it really does feel as if we're coming into the 20th century here with uh, televisions and radios, and there's a jukebox as well, I think. So this part of the exhibit is to show how people in Akroness, I guess, were living in the, in the 20th century as, as things began to modernise. Yeah, we called uh, this part of the exhibition uh, Live at Play. And uh, there's theatre, music, uh, sport, and so on uh, in the 20th century, mostly. And were these items particularly expensive in Iceland when televisions became popular and record players and uh, the jukebox that we mentioned? Were the consumer items, were they expensive? Because I imagine they all had to be imported. Yeah, it, it was uh, very, very expensive. And... Uh, uh, Common people, they didn't afford it at first. Uh, when the first television came mm -hmm. around uh, 1963, 64, because uh, some part of of Iceland, especially the south southwest, they they could uh, watch the the American broadcasting mm. from Keflavik, yeah. and uh, especially here in Akranes, it was. Uh, Direct, just over the water. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was very easy to to uh, watch the television. But uh, television was uh, very very expensive, mm -hmm. and uh, there was maybe one television at uh, one family, and everyone uh, gather around yes. this, the television and watch it like uh, going to the movie. Well, there's a beautiful pair of televisions here. One of them is a portable Grundig set uh, in red Bakelite. I mean, this would go for a lot of money now. People are very interested in this kind of mid-century look, aren't they? This television, of course, wouldn't work now because the technology has changed. Yes, I think so. Yes. But I, I want to take a look at the... Black and white. <laughs> black and white as well. The jukebox is in fantastic condition does this still work or would you would you not want to this uh, one you know? still works uh, this jukebox is from uh, 1956 and it still works but there's 
small problem. Uh, the needle is, has collapsed and uh, the, uh, uh, the loudspeaker, uh, it, it has collapsed, it's collapsed also. as well. But uh, the uh, other things, it's, it's okay. Yeah. It looks beautiful. Where did this come from? Uh, it comes from uh, a shop here in Akronis. And uh, it was bought here in uh, 1956. And it was used as a disco at that shop, uh, like it was here okay. in the old days. There's a beautiful gramophone here as well. There is a piano. The car I really do want to take a look at as well. It is, it's not, is it a beetle? Uh, it's not a beetle, it's beetle-shaped. This is a French one, Renault. It's a Renault, yeah. yeah. From okay. 1946. It's in a very good shape. It's in tremendous condition for a car that is well over half a century old. Where did this come from? Uh, it was a, yeah, it's a, it's a lottery prize. Okay. <laughs> and what's interesting is it's, it's left-hand drive, but of course when this was made, Iceland was still driving on the left-hand side of the road, and, and that switch was made in 1968, I think. Yes, uh, in May, uh, 26th of May, oh. uh, 1968. Yeah. Then we uh, turned to, to right. Yes. It, that fascinates me too. That, and Sweden did the same thing, of course, didn't they? That you would, a whole country would suddenly switch from driving on one side of the road to the other. Yes, I, th <laughs> I think so. <laughs> we, we come round to the later part of the 20th century. There is an Amstrad computer. There is a, a very early Apple Mac as well here, I think, um, showing how... Akroness moved into the later part of the 20th century. I think now we're going to head outside, aren't we? And, oh, uh, before we do, we're going to take a look at football, which is very important in, in the west of Iceland. Sports is Sport, very yes. important here in, in this area, especially here in Akroness, and yes. especially football and swimming. Yes. Uh, it was uh, ever since the settlement, swimming has been uh, part of the culture. Uh, and uh, uh, football came very popular here in uh, uh, around 1950 um, and before that uh, we had uh, lots of uh, uh, yeah, few football uh, teams mm. but uh, the team IA or Akronis football team was uh, established in 1946 and it is uh, very important uh, for the uh, uh, for the people here uh, in, in the area. And uh, if the team uh, went well, everyone was happy, and uh, it was like a, a sunny side. Yes. And uh, when the team lost, it was very sad. And it mattered to the whole town, didn't it? There are footballs on display here. There are trophies uh, of various victories. What's this big, shiny cup here? What does that represent? Uh, this is uh, the uh, the cup final cup uh, from uh, Kawasi uh, from the the Icelandic uh, Association uh, Football Association, mm. and uh, we have it here on display. Uh, oh, this is won by Akranes. It was won by Akranes yeah. at first in uh, 1978. 
and uh, we have won it a few times afterwards, but uh, we got it from uh, uh, KWC. Have you held it up above your head? <laughs> not, as a, not as a football man, no. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> as a museum man. <laughs> as a museum man, yes, yes. It would be tempting to do that, I think. You mentioned swimming as well. Swimming has also been important here, yeah. and there are some trophies to represent that. Yeah, and, and now today, uh, golf and uh, yes. other kinds of sports are uh, very important. And worth mentioning too, as we talk about swimming, that in the last couple of years, the hot pots have opened up down by the shore, um, which is a, it's a great way to spend some time just looking out over towards the sea from those, from those hot pots. Yes, it's a, it's a fantastic and uh, good look. Uh, it's uh, very popular. Uh, people come uh, uh, everywhere around yes. just to go to good look, uh, the hot hot pot and uh, swimming in the sea also. Yeah, It's particularly enjoyable, I think, when it's snowing, when the weather is bad and you can sit there in the warm water with the snow coming down on your head. I think that's a wonderful experience. Yes. Uh, I think it's a very ex good experience. Uh, go to the hot pot in uh, minus 10 yes. degrees and then <laughs> go to the uh, swimming in the, in the sea. Uh, around uh, five degrees. <laughs> yes, yes. No, the first time we were there, we saw someone marching from the, the very warm pots straight into the sea, and there must have been a 30 or 40 degree difference between the two. You can maybe hear that we've moved outside now, and there are more exhibits here, uh, here at the Akranes Folk Museum, that give a, a sense of how people used to live. There are some black wooden buildings, there is a turfed roof structure in front of me as well there's another ship the Sigifari and a building into which we're walking just now so as we step outside into the folk museum and the outside exhibits what, what are we seeing here uh, the one here in the front of us is a big uh, boat building uh, we are uh, just uh, finishing uh, the the boat house uh, which we will exhibit a few boats mm -hmm. and uh, we will also uh, have an exhibition about uh, the uh, the seafaring here in, in Akranes and the surrounding area. And we probably will open uh, the new exhibition uh, later this year. Okay, so this isn't finished yet, but it will be. Yeah, it this will be. Uh, and it's a fantastic building. Uh, it's around uh, 425 square meters. And... Uh, it will, uh, yeah, we, have, we will have a great exhibition there. And in the black wooden buildings here, what happens? Uh, this is a small boathouse, the one on the right, and uh, the one with the, the turf house is a, a shark, uh, shark shed. Uh, they were drying shark under that. And uh, there is a, uh, fish drying shed uh, here in the middle and uh, the blacksmith uh, smithy uh, here with the with the chimney and this exhibit here shows the turf roof which is on display it's on top of a, a structure a six wooden pole structure but it gives you a chance to see how the turf roofs would have worked yes it's a it's a very good uh, house. Uh, mm. We can see how the turf was put here on. And this would have been a way to keep warm in those Icelandic 
winters, turf, roofs, I think were very good at insulating and keeping the cold out. Yeah, uh, th- that's uh, the main reason. Uh, it was to isolate the, the, the cold. Yes. And uh, the houses was mostly built from uh, turf, uh, timber and, and stone. And uh, the turf was to isolate. Well, we're getting close to 11 o'clock, which is when you open for business for the day. And we mentioned earlier on that Akraness, like so many places in Iceland, is seeing so many tourists and visitors from all around the world. Are you, are you seeing more people coming here? Yes. Uh, uh, this year, uh, this is uh, probably the, the first good year after the COVID. Yeah. Uh, uh, when the COVID was, there was there came nearly uh, no one. So uh, this one, uh, 2023, is probably the the best best yes. one. And yeah. before COVID, is this is probably the best one? We mm-hmm. got lots of uh, tourists from uh, from uh, yeah the Iceland Travel and uh, and other companies mm-hmm. who come come here and uh, individual tourists both uh, Icelandic and mm. uh, foreign. And local residents, do people come from Akranes to learn more about the town's history? Uh, yeah, uh, school children mostly, mm. but uh, there's also uh, yeah, f- few of them who come, but uh, it's too near. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, it's been really fascinating to see, I, I think, the contrast as well between the modern building in front of us, which is the exhibition hall, as we said, and, and the older buildings uh, also on the site. And it looks as if the building that we're in front of now that's going to open later in the season is going to be a fascinating part of the exhibition as well. Jan, thank you very much. Thank you, same, and thank you for coming and uh, visiting us. A great pleasure. Thanks very much indeed. This is Roof English, and I'm Darren Adam. You can contact us by email anytime. We are English at ruv.is. You are listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.